0: Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Presented by Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live, this series is made possible by the fine folks at Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson. Today we are talking with hip-hop artist Michael DeVille. Michael is described as someone who raps with poetic precision and has been called a sophisticated spitter of lyrics. Now on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so that we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the toughest issues and most powerful feelings we can experience is the notion that we are fundamentally unlovable. Because if we truly hold the core belief in our hearts that we are unworthy of love, it changes the whole way we approach our lives. We may be less interested in self-care, our relationships, our work, everything. And as an artist, a lot of Michael's lyrical content confronts the issue of feeling unlovable and the various factors such as mental illness and racism that contribute to this experience. In our conversation, Michael talks about the relentless stress that racism can cause and how it interferes with people having the ability to love themselves and get the care they need. So let's go there and listen to what Michael has to say. Michael, welcome to Going There.
0: Hey, thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> so we talked ahead of time about the concept of feeling unlovable which is something that you hit in your lyrical content. And I just wanted to start with that idea because that's such a powerful concept for everyone, uh, but particularly people who struggle with mental health.
0: Yeah, it's really hard to kind of speak about um, this conversation on, you know, loving yourself and self-care and self-help without thinking about how recent those conversations within art and just publicly uh, are I've been watching a lot of uh, reality television here in the pandemic, in the lockdown, Survivor and Top Model, all these shows in 2003 and 2011, and you, you hear them having these kind of conversations in ways in which you could never have today about love and race and misogyny. Sometimes not even those things are even brought up. And just to realize that I've been reared with that kind of messaging, like kind of Beamed into my eye sockets when I was a kid and when I was kind of creating art. Um, it really does impact the way you see yourself uh, in terms of beauty, in terms of your own strength. I think being black in America, as well is kind of this constant chin check, you're constantly, uh, you know, having to take up space in your mind for white people and the way that they live and how you make them feel and how you speak. Code switching. The history is constantly coming up. And where I grew up on the west side of Chicago, there wasn't a lot of like positive messaging about, you know, taking time for yourself and, and, and uh, you know, f- learning how to be with yourself before you can even be with someone else. It leads to a, I think, an inferiority complex that is not only, you know, natural among human beings when there is, when in capitalism and in um, a place like America, a hierarchy or anything like that. I think when you're black in America, you definitely already have these stigmas poking at you in terms of your self-worth. In terms of, I mean, when you first realize what the word minority means and that you are one, how young were you when you learned that this this all of this stuff kind of ties into your ability to like love yourself and I just remember when I was writing the song type love thinking of my mother and thinking of myself and thinking of uh, the abusive relationship she went through and how she stayed in it no matter what and I used to be so upset with her about it and her telling me like you need to take time to like figure out how to like you know, value yourself before you find yourself in a relationship where you're giving all of you, and someone is just kind of taking advantage of, uh, of self. So I thought that messaging was like very important because hip hop has the ability to be political and to speak truth to power. And uh, you know, I know that's a struggle that a lot of people go through, and specifically young people in terms of uh, value and self worth. And you know, America's crazy, man. It's it's really, really, really hard to find positive messaging that isn't tied to some sort of form of, um, consumerism, the capitalism, or, um, you know, um, changing yourself. So I thought that messaging was important. If you
1: could just sort of break down for people as much as possible, especially for people who don't go through it directly mm-hmm. about what, how the racism, the consumerism, all these different things get you to specifically that unlovable, because that's, that once, I mean, there, there's a lot of things when we start talking about self-worth in general yeah. right? That are, that are problematic, but that unlovable mm-hmm. changes everything in somebody's life. It changes yeah. the whole way that you look at that. If you've decided that you're not lovable, or you're not as lovable as somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if we could just sort of break down for people like how that messaging comes across and how it manifests in that kind of very destructive belief.
0: You know, I, I I'm like I'm a kid of the '90s, and I, I believe in messaging and the power of the moral because that was what was you know kind of pumped into me growing up around mostly like just 98% black people on the west side of Chicago and what would be considered like a slum or a ghetto. You receive certain kind of signals to you to let you know that you are in a specific place even if your actual experience of that place is contrary to the stereotypes that are being you know painted across the rest of the city it starts at a structural level uh, racism and it just continues to weave its way into every single thing around you from the amount of nutrition you're able to eat if you're living in a food desert to you know the representation you see on the television um, when you know if that's who's raising you. Most of the kids that I knew, you know, did not come from a nuclear kind of like family setup. And so it was them and grandma who was probably bedridden with, you know, cousins and sisters and brothers and you know, you you don't really have a lot of space for yourself. You don't really have a lot of space and time to be luxurious with yourself, to be careful with yourself and the world doesn't give you days off to grieve that. It continues to bombard you with messages of again your own Uh, inferiority in this world, just based off of how the neighborhoods are set up, based off of the messaging that is popularized through the media that plays on our channels, you know, you absorb all of that. And I think people do the best with what they got. But the conversation about speaking about your vulnerabilities is really, 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 you know, new for, you know, my experience and my people, just because you're taught that, you know, you're supposed to be tough, and you're supposed to, you know, you have to weather the storm, you have to survive. And if this is the cards that you're given, you have to survive on this. And if people, you know, judge you or or, or say anything about that, then, you know, it's their problem. And, you know, you kind of got to pack away your weaknesses, pack away your vulnerability in order to survive. And that's just kind of sometimes how it's dealt. And then you don't really realize until later in life that things don't go away. Emotions and and experiences and grief, it rests in the muscle tissues, you know. It comes back when you're stretching or, you know what I mean, going to work or something and standing on your feet. And what do you do then, you know, when you are confronted with all of this non-protection for you. When you look at the news and you see people, you know, getting off for slaughtering someone who looks just like you, you know, your same age, could be your brother, could be, you know, I, I, I rarely feel white folk understand how it feels to grieve for someone you don't even know and to continuously do that while uh, watching the same people who were charged to protect you continue to get off and become the criminals. And it's it's, it's hard. We, we live in two, when you live in two separate worlds, what's PC to you may be like completely, you know, gauche to me, you know, it's, it's just so much. And I feel like a person who's who's been fortunate enough to stand on the line of coming from a, a place like that and being where I am now, where I can speak to even someone like you openly without feeling a sense of shame or feeling a sense of, you know, weakness. And I try my best to like kind of put that into my to my music, not only to educate but to let folk know that depression and and you know this feeling of being unlovable, like we all feel that that's a very human thing. But I think folk of color really have to work like most of the time, like triply hard to kind of confront these things so that they can catch up with the rest of the way um, the country is going in terms of like speaking about these things openly. Uh, It takes a lot of work for that. And we got to start it, you know, within the music that we have, because it's the only like kind of life vein of uh, our messaging right now that's popularized throughout the world.
1: You said the thing about grieving for someone you don't know. And I've actually not heard that term before, which I think speaks to what you're saying about people not necessarily understanding what that would feel like. So if, if you're okay with it, I would love to spend some time talking about what that experience is like, because it definitely sounds like a very powerful feeling.
0: Yeah. It's really hard to kind of put a, put a thumb on all of it, the the enormity of the feeling. It's like a thud, you know, and then anger or emptiness. There's, it's been so prevalent within the last couple of years, you know, the black death and the black slaughter, that there's so many reactions I've had. I've, I've I've been outraged. I've been, you know, completely numbed. I've been sad. I've been vindictive about the people who have done this, the systems. It makes you question everything. And we are all, it's within our DNA uh, as Black people in this country, I feel like, uh, because I think generational trauma is a, is a real thing, to not necessarily trust the structures that be, since we were brought over here, you know, And I really do feel that when you have, you know, all of this kind of violence from police hands um, shown to us over and over and over again, we just get tired. We get exhausted because it's so much work to be done. And it's so much it's so reminiscent of the cautionary tales we heard from our grandparents and our parents. And our uncles and our cousins. It lets you know. It's a message. It's sending a loud message that there are parts of this country and part parts of the systems that protect this country that you can't interface with without not just the chance of death, with, with without the sure possibility of death. There are certain things I can't do. I don't even have a driver's license right now because of number one, I live in Chicago, so I could take the you know, L whenever. But like, I really do fear, you know. Go, um, what would happen if I got stopped by the police? When you're saddled with this at a young age and you're saddled with this kind of imagery, I just think it, it it affects us. It lives with us and it becomes a part of a process that kind of becoming our legacy, which is something we don't want. Knowing, you know, we only got each other. It's making us more insular. It's making us come in. It's making us like kind of disconnect, kind of be, be more in the lines of like what Marcus Garvey wanted and when Malcolm X um, wanted, and you're starting to see it even pop up in a lot of our media, and um, you know more radical ideas and thought processes on how we can, you know, kind of just take care of home because it just seems like no matter where you are, whether if you're rich or poor, your life it means nothing to a system that is constantly protected white supremacy, even when it's been uh, confronted with itself, with its own reflection, it is constantly choosing white supremacy so how how much longer can people sit with that? How much longer can we just let that roll off and continue to just make music and, and and try to have a good time and forget about it? We have to confront it, and that means confronting all aspects of it and and a big part of that is confronting some of the scars that we have in ourselves, and you know knowing the history, knowing knowing that this is cyclical, this isn't something that is just happening in a vacuum. this isn't just trumpism this is this is America, you know. So what are we going to do with that? And how are we going to continue to move forward? Are we just going to kind of, you know, cry about it? Or are we going to like really, really analyze ourselves? We can cry about it. You know what I mean? like, we, But we can also make art about it. We can also mobilize around it. And we can also um, show the world how, again, you deal with um, travesties and atrocities with grace. And that's, that's with looking inward. And when you talk about the scope of it, you know, I just think
1: about the, the basic, things that you listed, you know, and this is just a, a partial conversation. But, you know, you think about how do people take care of themselves? How do people love themselves? And, you know, let's start, it's like, well, you know, you you could make yourself a really good meal, which is not as possible in a food desert. You could you could take time for yourself to just kind of be by yourself and think, which isn't nearly as possible. If racism is led to poverty and there's not as much space you know or you can't take time because of certain economic circumstances or because of job situations mm-hmm. you know you might want to just go for a walk on your yeah. own you might just want to go for a drive on your own um, these are all the things that people in some cases people who have privilege can do that not only help their mental health but it's again it's it's that that concept of subtle ways of loving yourself that even just in this conversation, those I don't know how many things we named there. But those are all things that you're talking about not happening on a regular basis, that that many people just take for granted as something that will help them heal. And then what happens if you don't have that ongoing healing?
0: Yeah, how can you ever ask for equity or how can things ever really be fair when we haven't addressed generational some people don't even believe slavery happened. Some people don't even, you know, and we live in a country that says that we we have to entertain everybody's point of view. I am a person like I said I come from those beginnings and I I, I see the ravages of a lot of the generational things that have that have happened throughout the decades that have gone unaddressed. And like I said, these conversations are recent. We are just now addressing, whoa, there may be something wrong with me. There may be something, or there may be just something that I haven't really processed because I'm not allowed to process it. And this has been going on for uh, generations. I am pro, I am seen as some sort of like hulking figure some automaton some some roughnecks some thugs some super predator i'm not given the permission to be vulnerable without a serious ding to what it is you believe about me in the first place and what it is i believe about myself so you know the work has to start somewhere and we can't again wait on structures to to do that work for us but it could help you know, having access to, you know, uh, good nutrition and, you know, healthcare and positive images for uh, uh, Black youth, I, I really do feel optimistic. You have to, you got to feel optimistic about because we've been given a lot less and we've, we've done so much great. We've done so many things with the amount of trauma we've been saddled with and the amount of baggage we've been saddled with. That's why my my music always... It's really hard to write it because it, it, it always comes out with this hint of paranoia and uh it always comes out like an indictment and you know sometimes i just want to want to I, I wish i had the privilege of writing about the flowers i wish i could really speak to you know the stars and be really you know flowery but like i know what my mother is going through on the other side of town you know and i know how that conversation is never really brought up it's only brought up when celebrities bring it up it's not brought up it's, it's entire experiences in life going on between the line of the Austin community and the Oak Park community you know what I mean Chicago's so segregated and it boxes us into the peripheries of the city and you know I've I go back and travel and go see my brothers and sisters where they live they're still there and nothing's changed you know maybe um the line of what we considered to be the hood or where we grew up has kind of shrunk and now this area is all we have and now this new neighborhood this gentrification is sort of have all of this stuff affects all of this stuff affects and I said that if I was to ever start writing or making music or whatever like that's that's what I I, I have to dedicate my stories to those folk that the, their experiences because it's a lot going on there and you know it deserves to be told and mentioned and brought up in the scope of history you know with the things that i brought up you know the food having time
1: alone driving you know the the thing that i didn't bring up that that you were just talking about is that just the basic ability to say what's on your mind to say what's yeah. in your heart you know yeah. just to, to be able to have that as a for lack of better of saying it an uncomplicated experience Not yeah. know badly about something i see what's around me i reflect that back mm-hmm. and you know, what you're talking about again, when you start putting all these things together, again, I don't I don't think anyone who's not going through it can fully understand the magnitude of that stress. And and you haven't even stepped out the door
0: yet. Yeah. It's before certain kids even make it to school. They're aware of these things. They're not afforded a childhood, you know, they're not afforded this 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 period where they get a summer job and they can just hang out and you know, let life. You know, come to them. You know, um, lots of people. It starts when they wake up. They're set back and saddled with things that they shouldn't have to see and shouldn't have to deal with, but they have to. You know, because that's just the way it's built up. And it's such a glaring truth that you know it it, it becomes woven into every part of our day. And uh, some people are aware of it and some people don't want to be aware of it because of, you know, they'd be angry all the time. Like James Baldwin said, you know, the moment you start reading and being aware of things, the the angrier you are, you know, as a black person in this country. And you realize, like, you know, it, it feels so just never ending. I was just having this conversation with my partner uh, very recently. It's just, you know, uh, and I was listening to it on this podcast called Code Switched as well. It's a conversation about can white people change, right? And is it our job to, you know, educate them about the things that they inherit, the privilege and power and space that they get to be able to kill us with impunity or uh, storm the Capitol or, you know, whatever it is, they get... they're they're able to do these things and still live and still be here. Do is it our job to make them aware that like any small infraction of being black, you know, uh, could end my life and and you know traumatize an entire generation, or should I just make some music to just like you know have fun and party and make everybody feel good too? It's a, it's a weird dynamic because it's a weird time we're living in where we're finally reckoning with. The disparities between experiences in this country and mental health is so inextricably like tied to that. But you can't have a conversation with a black person about mental health without referring to the history of, you know, not addressing black mental health. <laughs> it's it's just so prevalent, it's so big, so massive, and um, you know, all we can do is is try to make sure our kids understand the history of it and why these structures still exist and why certain dynamics still exist. And hope that we become better people, and you know, we do things like this, have conversations across the lines, and and you know, kind of understand we're all kind of fucked up in this way. There's so many
1: different levels in which this issue needs to be addressed. You know, there's 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 social issues, there's economic issues, there's legal mm-hmm. issues. I mean, it, it, there's so many health, like the things that you were talking about. And so I guess what I, I find myself wondering is, how does someone take all that in and and maybe fight those issues on one or more of those fronts but then Mm -hmm. also figure out how to take care of themselves personally Mm -hmm. because because obviously like to some degree the ultimate end result of discrimination is this this manifestation within the person yeah and so the you know that to, to me that seems also like an important place to somehow fight this war like how do you how do you fight the effects or I don't even know if fighting is the right term. Yeah. How do you heal? Maybe, how do you heal the effects? Yeah. Of something like racism, even if you haven't been able to change the societal
0: factors yet. It's on it's an individual basis. It's, it's how much, you know, I'm a very porous person emotionally. I'm a, you know, my girlfriend would say you're a classic Pisces. Like I'm a classic Pisces and it's really easy for me to like take what's going on today and the books that I'm reading and the music I'm listening to and synthesize all of that into some sort of opinion about discrimination and racism and how that has affected me, you know, but I don't think a lot of people do that and have that mechanism and, um, have the patience and ability to sit there and think about all of these structures and, you know, how it affects my day today. What can I do today? And personally, you know, what's been helpful for me is the art, you know, it's the only way I know how to really express and speak openly without feeling judged or being able to confront an anonymous wall of people really helps me to get out. Maybe if it's rage or or sadness, or, you know, maybe it is a song about flowers, you know, for me personally, like that, that helps. And my music is filled with with, with with little markers of how how I think that people can do this my dad was a big hip-hop head man and there I had young parents and he was classic LL Cool J Kango hat the Cuban link gold chain he would put my head next to this massive speaker he had play Run DMC and I couldn't get you know like dessert if I didn't know what the song was about what were the names of the members I was like six you know what I mean like and, you know, early on I realized hip hop had the power to, you know, be a roadmap and it be a terrain, you know, a, a, a map on how to like navigate difficult terrain. at its most powerful, right? And I found a lot of lessons learned, not through my dad, but through that music he was playing, telling me how to deal with my depression as a young black man when I see oppression all around me. And it's happening even when I'm not, when I'm just sitting on the couch, everything you do is political. You know, everything I say, everything i am everything i wear you know is political so that could be you know an anchor or that can be power and so for me that's that that means you know like making myself uh, you know some tea and talking to my partner openly and, and being truthful knowing that knowing that i don't have to conform to an, a society's view on how i should be releasing music and have, finding little freedoms I think is really important. And that helps to at least get you along before the next atrocity happens because it's, unfortunately, the effect of all of this is it continues to make Black folk more cynical. It continues to make me more less um, a believer in any kind of American dream, any kind of BS, I was taught about the anthem or the flag or fighting for my freedom. I'm constantly interrogating that. I'm constantly looking at it in a critical way. And uh, unfortunately, until things stop happening to Black people openly like this, I won't ever be less cynical about you know the structures that be. So I think it's important to educate yourself on what's going on around you because it can help to, feel not alone uh, in the span of history, in the spans of like, you know, this question that you bring up, what do you do in the face of racism to get through? There are many, 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 many answers to that. And the trail of breadcrumbs comes through, you know, our ancestors and revolutionaries who kind of fought before us not that long ago, Shirley Chisholm, Asada Shakur, uh, James Baldwin, you know, to me that they learning about that really makes me feel like, there's a solidarity there, you know, even ancestrally. And it, it helps me get through the day. But, like, there's not a day that goes by that I don't say, like, white people messing it up again. <laughs> they messing it up today. They're coming at me in a way in which they're, they're just wielding their privilege. And they don't. They just have no idea what, I, what it takes to get up in the morning, you know what I mean, and to be in the same place, you know what I mean, as them sometimes. So, you know. It's, it's a disparity that either we're gonna to learn to live with or we gotta learn how to like come up with, uh, like I said, like a lot of small little freedoms that could like kinda help us all recognize the humanity in each other, you know?
1: And the thing that's so difficult when I hear you talking about it is that just looking at it from a from a societal level, it's so important, at least I, I believe it's so important to look at those issues and to not let them stand. Yeah. To not have a sense like, well, that, that's just how it is because there's a helplessness and a hopelessness that comes from that that is is so unbelievably powerful yeah. and yet at the same time one of the things that i found that's very unfortunate about often mental health is that it's oftentimes built on ignorance yeah. you know i mean if any of us really sat down and thought about all of the things that are going on in the world really you know kind of taking that in i it would be hard for I think anyone to fully deal with that stress, a lot of what we do is we we just push it aside. And that might feel a little bit better. but I, I kind of liken that a little bit to to taking drugs in the sense that it feels a little bit better at the beginning. I don't know if it's better long term. And so you know here you are again, in this very tough situation where one thing that you're doing that I think is is healthy on a societal level, having those conversations, calling out those issues, working on them in whatever capacity. But then by definition, that is going to be that much more stressful, you know, on the day to day. And I'm just kind of curious how you, I hear what you're saying about the freedoms is that is, you know, is there a way that you think about those more difficult conversations that's healing in and of themselves, even if you're talking about these incredibly difficult and frightening and enraging topics?
0: Oh, yeah, man, that's, personally I, I um was the biggest surprise to me when i started to make music was being confrontational about this is not only fun but it actually um it helps in a way uh in a way in which you know if you sit there and kind of just continue to do thought experiments about the, these things and you know like you said take it all in you can be immobilized and i think when i rap and i'm in a whether i'm in a basement or a bar you know there's sort of a challenge in a, in, a, in a um punk attitude about being able to speak about these things and not care who it affects in that way. But because the theater artist in me, I I always want to take care of my audience. You know, I always, I don't, I don't want to ever like put them in a position where people can't relate to specific things on a human level. I think the theater of speaking about structures that are like bigger than us kind of creates a bubble for me and a bubble for them. They that we're both like kind of like looking through. Whether you're in a crowded bar, you know, I used to challenge myself, like, can you make them turn around? Can you make them be quiet? Right. And when it happens, I find myself floating up there and everybody's looking. And it's like I just wrote the words all over again and I'm in that traumatic memory again. And the actor in me comes out and I play all the characters that I've written in this song. And You know, a part of me feels like, you know, you've given something to people and they walk away affected and feeling how you felt in the early, you know, 90s when you got your first hip hop lesson and heard the ferocity in a rapper's voice with the urgency in which they spoke. And you feel like now you're a part of that legacy. But then there have been plenty of times where, you know, I've gone home and I felt like a cup that was empty. Like I poured it all out there and a lot of it was traumatizing to even speak about because it was personal and, and and it also flared up that image for me like right there like it was like I transplanted myself back into it and you know it's led to the scarcity in which I released music and you know the scarcity in which for a little while I was performing so there's this give and take on um, that level of healing and I'm still under you know kind of scrutiny with myself about like you know uh, is that healthy? <laughs> is that something that I can continually do? And maybe when I was young and in you know my 20s and kind of like figuring these things out in this kind of rebellious phase, doing this and finding this support in speaking about these things very openly and this in gathering a little bit of like kind of local fame because of that. Is that as I'm getting older, I just turned 32 like a week ago. Is that the most effective way to have these conversations anymore, you know, in this new world that we're in? And as a Black person who is statistically more apt to be disproportionately affected by COVID, whether that means work or getting sick myself or even dying, and I already had a shortened life expectancy by being a Black man in America, how urgent are these conversations? Do I throw my own mental health to the side so I can open up the dialogue for more people to have this conversation? Uh, it's this it's this teeter-totter, you know what I mean? I like, kind of like figure it out. And is anybody even listening that's another one <laughs> it's another song that plays in my head when you think about this stuff you know it's hard yeah and you you know people
1: ask why talk to musicians about mental health you know and why they why do you know we our podcast is entirely about you know music and mental health and one of the mm-hmm. reasons is the the process that you're talking about as an artist to me as a, as a psychologist is almost identical to the process that people go through when they consider whether or not they should be open about anything that's going on for them, you know, because you think to yourself, you know, if, if I do this and I really get into it and there's someone on the other end who really understands me, this is going to feel so amazing, so amazing, but there's no way of knowing until you do it. And you also wind up knowing how badly it can feel if you're dealing with someone who doesn't care, doesn't understand, yeah. uh, is trying to understand, as, as I'm sure happens with issues of race, where there's someone who's you know sort of trying to understand, but the more they try, the less it, it's like, oh my god, you, you <laughs> really don't care. This, this is just getting worse. Let's just let's just forget I even brought that up. <laughs> and and you know you think about that. I'm sure as an artist, you thought about you know you try different things, you think this is amazing. That other times be like, just yeah. forget forget what I just did there. I don't, you know. And, and the parallel is so powerful and it can be the difference between you coming back and feeling like, like I am loved. I love myself. I love my process. I believe in myself and coming back and being like, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with the discussion about myself. I just, I just want to get away from myself. I'm going to get away from all of this. Yeah. And that's, that's for a lot of people, especially when they struggle with mental
0: illness, that's living or dying, you know? Yeah it really, it it really is. And, you know, without a proper outlet to kind of funnel, funnel these things through, you know, we don't have, some of us just don't have the tools, don't have the access to the tools to kind of even start these processes of self-love and uh, self-analysis. And they wither on the vine in this way um, mentally. Um, I, I can even track through like my discography of four tapes where I stopped trying to have this conversation with this imaginary audience and where i started to focus on myself and started to focus on the black people i wanted to speak to and nobody else if, if anybody else gets anything from this great fine but on the lat that's why i entitled the last tape maintain because it, it was you know asking this question of how, how can you create a tape that isn't completely steeped in trauma story and isn't completely steeped in cautionary tale or me being on a soapbox? How do I create a tape when I'm aware of these these things and I can't like kind of cut it out of my music, but I also want to continue to have a conversation about loving myself, the opposition of the story of complete and utter black desolation. And how do we deal with these things with no tools? It's, it's just like, no, you know, start by, you know, at least for me, start by telling myself today, like I'm enough, there is enough. The scarcity model does not exist. It's, it's there for a reason. It's there for people to continue to, you know, maintain the hierarchy because people benefit off of that. And many times in my life I've seen from dirty cops to so many examples of people maintaining a structural order in order to keep certain people because it's beneficiary to them. Like, so don't believe in that, do your best to kick from that and radically say, you know, I'm a love, I'm enough. You know, I was listening to, you know, that line, you know, I I think I felt I was unlovable. It was actually a response or an homage to a Smith's song. I was listening to the band Smith's, the song Unlovable while I was, you know, walking in the, 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 the streets of like the South side. And, you know, and I, I could relate, you know, and, and, and this is Morrissey from years and years and years ago, across the decades and across the genres is reaching to me. And I understand, I understand this feeling of feeling like everything thinks I am this monster. And I'm starting to believe like there is no space for me to just be who I am. You know, being in an artistic format, like acting and theater, you know, that, that is reinforced in very, you know, obvious and sometimes narcissistic ways and I was constantly having these conflicts with who I am and who I wanted to be. And that tape was the first tape I just felt like, I'm going to establish like, you know, I can love myself even through all of this messaging I saw on television and all, yeah, all of these things that, you know, true love is like waking up and cleaning the house on a Sunday and you know what I'm saying, smoking a nice J and just like kind of like doing something for yourself. And that, that that's enough today. And I know that that, you know, is really hard to be, to sell positive music these days. And it's really hard to even sell political music these days, even though we live in a time where we need both of those things. But I'm I'm a person who believes in a long path and that this, this music will at the very least be effective and useful. It's necessary for someone. That's the point is that, you know, there are certain tapes that got me through living in the ghettos of America and made me who I am today. And I want my music to kind of sit right up there with those people to help them navigate. You know, and it's just kind of a side effect that people across the racial divide and gender divide reach out to me on basis and say, hey, man, you spoke about this and I, I can't, you know, say I can relate exactly, but I can empathize or I am going through a mental health thing. And your music is the thing that got me through because it speaks to these things that I think I, you know, are, are similar to my experience. And I think that's super important. That's that's how we start, you know, to heal.
1: Well, Mike, listen, this is great and important stuff. And I so appreciate you coming on to going there and talking about it. Uh, these are the conversations we need to have. And I'm very appreciative that you're stepping up and talking about the, these difficult things as you're also going through them. Cause like you said, there are people out there who just knowing that there's somebody like yourself, whose music they love, who's, you know, they follow their career in some way, knowing that you're going through that, that's sometimes that's that's enough to get yeah. people through.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for creating this space. It's very necessary in order to feel like as an artist, your messaging is at the very least, hidden upon some themes that are useful to folk. And I just appreciate the space, man. Thank you for having me. No, yeah, best of luck with everything. Yes, thank you.
1: So there it is, Michael DeVille talking about the concept of being unlovable and the factors such as systemic racism that can contribute to someone coming to the conclusion that they are in fact unlovable. Now, there's a lot to take away from the conversation with Michael. It is crucial that we reject the concept of being unlovable as some kind of ultimate assessment of who we are as an individual. In that way, Michael understands love as an active process that can be experienced and expressed in a variety of ways. One way that Michael talks about how he expresses love is by shining a light on racial injustice in his poetry and music. In this way, he can continue the dialogue on challenging racist social, economic, and political disparities. And he also talks about finding what he describes as freedoms, finding the time and space to be kind to himself and take care of his own health and well-being. And by both challenging existing discriminatory systems and yet still finding ways to take care of himself, he can push back on the stress and trauma that could lead him or others to feel unlovable. I want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project, which is sponsored by Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know, If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence of Sound websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads.
0: I wanna love you. Oh, 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 oh. Consequence Podcast Network.